Hello lovely humans, it's Kate just popping in to update you with a couple of real world and external to Dean Doctorate's fun shenanigans that are going on. Uh, for those of you who follow me on social media, you will already know this, but for the rest of you, I've recently joined the cast of Radiant Shadows over on the Meeples and Dragons Twitch. We stream every two weeks on a Saturday night at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, or 5pm for those of us on the West Coast. Uh, it's a grand old time with some wonderful people that Joe, Ben and myself all played with during Jasper's Game Week 2022. So I really hope we get to see you over there in the chat uh, and I'll have other updates for other fun things going on coming to you soon. So tune in for those. You know, I, I think we've done a really good job in, in the context of the podcast of, of having that realism that we were talking about before yeah. that's often missing in popular culture depictions of science and scientists in that we, mm. you know, I don't think we've ever referenced a lab coat ever ex no, as existing. Par Paracelsus was wearing a I white think, yeah. coat and okay. uh, we have a few so times. doing something with, with beakers or, or okay. test tubes yeah. and sure. walked in and met him the first time. But he's a he chemist. Was he was Great. coded as a chemist, right? Like, yep. yeah, yeah. Well, he's, well, he's, a, he's a chemist slash alchemist. alchemist. Like that's, yeah. yeah. But that, but that's that idea thing. of you because know, we, we actively we actively don't go. Here's the trope. Uh, Gore being a prime example of that. Or mm. as Ellen in the chat says, Bone and the Librarian doing his library science. You know, like there are these characters that just they go about their life and they do their life thing, and that's that's yeah. who they are as as people. Um, I feel like I was talking to a friend of mine today about the tropes and the real person and the whatever. And she actually, and I know Lee feels the same way about this, Joe, that uh, we have a problem in pop culture of there's two kinds of scientists. One is the kind that we've already talked about where it's like the brainy human. And one is unfortunately the kind of person that the two of us, Joe, were for a time of the super fun wow science person um to like the miss frizzle yeah the the, the super excited know, nerd burger the super mm. excited nerd burger yeah. but that gets to do the explosions and the, the all of that mm -hmm. um how did the rest of the panel i mean you you and i joe have talked about this at nauseam but i think we can probably chip our own opinions in afterwards what um what do you guys think ross and ben um about that kind of thing yeah, you know what? Um, as someone who's into the squishy science, as Harold would put it, um, I'm always a bit disappointed that a lot of sciencey stuff ends up being physics-based. Uh, you know, like all of the cool sci-fi, it's always like cosmology and physics, and it's it's rarely it's rarely kind of showing you how interesting other parts of science are. You know, like. Um, you know, biology is really messy, but obviously in that complexity could be very interesting. Um, you know, and, and, and a really weirdly good episode, a uh, really good, um, like biological episode was, um, was the Rick and Morty episode where they, uh, they did the anatomy park. Uh, yeah. You go know, inside a human being yes. like that's that's like a parody I mean, on inner space yeah it's an old sci-fi you know yeah. like it, yeah. it was it was pretty accurate you know that the layout of the body the the effect that 
they like there's this moment where they end up accidentally damaging the alveoli and then causing the person to cough. Amazing. That's such an yeah. excellent piece of science communication. And I do wish that we had a bit more of those kind of stories. Um, you know, like Jurassic Park has its faults, but also does present an interesting picture of kind of things that we're on the cusp of being able to do. Obviously, the frog was a weird choice, given that chickens exist. We won't yeah. get into that too much. But um, I think I think Michael Crichton did the best at the time with the information he had at the time. Right, yeah. Um, Except the whole Velociraptor debacle, but we won't go into that. Yeah. Ross is I, dying a little bit on the inside right yeah. now. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, it is interesting because I do, I do, I do resent a little bit that, that whiz-bang idea of science because actually it's the least interesting thing we can do. We've known how to pop hydrogen for like 200 years now. And mm. um, those are very flashy demonstrations, but they don't really, uh, they don't really give you the, that, that like for me like the magic is in the uncertainty and overcoming that and i, I wish that we had more stories like that um mm. you know the, the I mean, gravitational it's... wave story is a perfect example of that because I, I i think it was the abc they once that discovery was made that the you know the ligo um installation they they went and visited the house of the person who had posited these waves would exist like 30 years ago. And he was like almost in tears. Like that, that's the story. Yeah. Those are the stories we need to tell, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting because as a teacher, I think the whiz bang wow has a really specific use. And mm, that yes. is to engage kids with a particular topic that they are learning about in the context of their of the curriculum mm-hmm. or mm. yeah. aligned with the thing that they are learning in the curriculum that is maybe two or three grades above. But mm. I hate that it is used as a, you should be a scientist because you get to blow stuff up type thing, even though I probably yes. have kind of lent on that in certain ways before. I definitely have before. in the past, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it works really well for engagement, but it cannot be engagement yes. for engagement's sake. You have to have yep. a purpose. And I think that the sort of whiz bang wow, I mean, I have done whiz bang wow on national television more than once mm. because that was part of my job for a while. Yeah. And, you know, that's what, that's what a, you know, newsreader wants to see or wants the weatherman to mm-hmm. get involved in, you know, at six in the morning. Like, that's what you have to do. But. <laughs> Because that's like peak energy time for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wanted to be using liquid mm. nitrogen at six o'clock in the morning in mm. August in Sydney. It was great. But mm. um, it's, it, and I think there's a really core use for that. But I really struggle when it's used around things like, and I know that we are in the middle of National Science Week, but when the whiz bang wow is all that is done during National Science Week, I just kind of sit there going yeah. like, cool. Yeah. And... Who is this yep. for? Because, like, mm. I will 100% do, like, a roving science show into schools for National Science Week to engage them with the ad- idea of science, but I don't know that I necessarily want to do it for the purposes of, like, this is what science is, because I think they have very yeah. different... Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very easy to be a fan of science, mm. 
Like, I love space. Yes. I love volcanoes. I love dinosaurs. Yes. Mm. But, and, you know, it's very easy to be oh, they just covered a new galaxy or something. And here's a great picture. Love that. Great. Like, retweet. But, like, the, the science behind it, nailing down, like, all of those extra details, mm. it's so much more work for people. And it's... Exactly. And the, the understanding of the science that goes into it is not out of the reach of people, but out of eyesight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah. Where is the man don't... behind the green curtain? Like, yeah. And I think actually that's where Mythbusters exceeded so well because they they drew you in with the explosions and the, the, the throwing chickens yes. at airplanes, but they always showed you why. You know, it, it was, and, and they always, they always kind of told, like set up the scenario and they were very explicit about, okay, we are testing a hypothesis. And it, 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 it was sort of like, it was, it was really good for me. It's one of the most perfect like examples of melding entertainment and, and science because they, they really went out of their way to kind of show you that this is a process that we're doing. Yes, there are cool things that can happen and, but. And yeah, also, we're going to do those cool things. But. Yeah, and giving you that real world context, you know, like can can a mobile phone explode a um uh, a petrol station? And the answer yeah. was actually no. But they but they didn't they didn't just kind of like try and fake it. They were very like, well, no, it can't. But you know what? It's fun <laughs> to watch it explode anyway. So, but yeah, they were going to ramp it up. Yeah, but they're very explicit about saying yeah. we're not we're not just kind of like trying to like give you this. Oh my god, you know, mobile phones can explode. It was like a, no, mm-hmm. no, they can't. We did it. We were very thorough. But let's, but let's you know, blow it up anyway. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think I yeah. think it, it's fine to draw people in with like explosive yes. moments, and I mean that metaphorically. There are lots of ways of being explosive. Of the whiz bang wow, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that has to be a very kind of like that has to be the bait that you're then sort of hooking in yes. to, 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 to really give the meat because that's the part yeah. that will actually create future scientists and people who go out of it with a real understanding um, instead of mm-hmm. a spectacle, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like the spectacle in the Whiz-Bang-Wow definitely has its place. Yeah. Um, as somebody who whose current job is to provide the Whiz-Bang-Wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's what I do. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Miss Frizzle before because I was sitting there going, the photo that we used for yep. the promotions was me dressed as Miss hey, Frizzle. Hey, hey, oh, no. you, you do realise that the fact that you had that photo meant that I couldn't use the photo of me that I'd planned on using because we would have had two Miss Frizzles in the promo material. <laughs> yep, it's fine. Uh, I'm sorry, good. not sorry. That's fine. Um, but, that, but that idea, but like Miss Frizzle, I think Miss Frizzle goes along with what Ross was saying before, though, about good examples of it because, yes, you know, Getting shrunk to be down inside the body of a person was done in that show yeah, too, and absolutely. you had yeah through ant colonies and, and you know um, the world could do with a little bit mm-hmm. more toot toot magic school bus. And I know there's a new one; it's not the same, not the no, same it's as not. the original one. Like not even remotely. I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah, like I, it it has its place, but I think it can get overused, mm. and it can be like a here, yeah, come and do this fun, exciting thing. You get yeah. to do this all the time. And it's like, actually, no. <laughs> and I, it's science is so much bigger than that. What do you think, I think Ben? That's where the, you, mm. I was gonna say, Ben, what do you think about that? Because you and I were both young scientists of Australia people who again would have relied on the Whiz Bang Wow back then. But 
mm. you know, maybe not I mean, so much. I mean, I growing up was a fan of science things, like I'm sure many people are who eventually go into science. And then your understanding changes as you go through. Mm. And you know, I, I did a physics degree and uh, you know, your understanding of science changes. You could still you know appreciate and love the things that go whiz bang wow, but with like a deeper level of understanding as well. And you can then turn to your friends and you know say oh that works because of this and then you know like that mm. you can draw people in and it definitely has mm -hmm. as ross said like it's the bait to start a conversation that you can yeah. go in and do things um mm -hmm. you know continuing on and doing a, a, a master's of psycho like kate and, and joe have um i did the the research component mm. of the presenting component um the issue that seems to be at the crux of science com and science uh, presenters is that often the people presenting science aren't trained science communicators they're just scientists who mm. are advocates for science mm -hmm. yeah and there is a lot of research done by science communicators and science communication researchers and yep. that research is not known read or understood necessarily um like as joe said earlier facts don't change people's opinion you can you can yell at somebody the fact over and over again and they're not going to listen to you in fact they're going to mm -hmm. become more hardened to to mm. not accepting that fact um yeah so i mean like there's the whiz bang wow can be good to like grab someone's attention but there needs to be more substance behind what you're doing and how you're doing it uh, and there's some great like resources out there by science communicators and science communication researchers um i might have one within reach do i mm. we probably all do honestly yes <laughs> we let <Yeah>. around <laughs> my bookcase think... is literally right behind this green screen i'm like i could pick off some <laughs> yeah and i think that's the the danger of the the enhance version of science yes yep there it is yes awesome. got that one somewhere down there yep that one is amazing yeah. i have that on my yeah. desk at work yeah, fantastic resource. Yeah. I think you've got to really be careful good. when you communicate science that you you don't minimize... Oh, I should, sorry, I should say for podcasters listening uh, later, that was The Science of Communicating Science, The Ultimate Guide by Dr. Craig Cormick. Yeah. The book I held up. And I think it's good before you actually set out to communicate science to think about the communication itself. Yeah. Um, just because it is very easy to... Um, it's very easy to sort of communicate science badly. I actually have an example, like I, I an example from my, my own past. Um, a couple of years before the pandemic, you know, the conversation of healthcare workers having flu vaccines turned up. And in some hospitals, you have to have a flu vaccine, you know. Um, and there's a lot of good reasons for that from a patient care perspective. And someone um, had brought up, oh, well, um, you know, why can't they just wear masks? And my response was, masks are not sufficient to prevent the spread of flu. And that's all I said. And now, four or five years later, people have taken that out of context who think, who think what I was saying is masks don't work. And of course, what I was saying is masks cannot be the only defense. Mm. And so you have to be really careful that you don't just sort of 
you have to be really purposeful about how you communicate things and because if you're too if you're too simplified people can actually decide what they want it to mean um and obviously we live in a very we live in a very easy culture now where it's easy just to grab a part of something and sort of you know share it around and I think this is my issue with the sort of I think I was going to say before about like the the enhanced version of science um from CSI and stuff where they they really kind of only give you the here's the amazing thing we did and it's like ah oh, but it kind of would have been a lot more interesting if you were like oh you know we didn't get much DNA we had to kind of do this amplification step and like and you don't have to get I mean look some of you know PCR we don't have to talk about melting temperatures and extension times but we can talk about the difficulties a little bit uh, because I actually think that makes the whizbang moments even more impactful. Um, mm. uh, I there's a great actually a great example of like whizbang moments being in Interstellar, mm. um, the docking sequence, because right, we've seen the like the the difficulty with gravity and, and you know high speed rotation things. The docking sequence near towards the end of, of Interstellar is so intense for just a ship connecting to another ship. Yeah. Like, but it, it is like the the difficulty in that, um, like that engineering challenge is mm. really dramatic and really impactful. And mm. part of that is the music. Um, yeah. yeah. The great <laughs> score. Yeah. Uh, but that's like the, the music is appealing to our emotion. Um, like to get us invested in that that moment, um, yeah. There's there are ways you can do storytelling things to again yeah. to. I think to a hit really good moments. example of that as well is is stuff like The Martian. Mm. Yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. like, look, I have a, a bit of a problem with some of Andy Weir's characters, and I flippin' love his writing style, and I mm. love. Um, I've recently just been listening to um, the Hail Mary Project. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good. It's such a good book. Honestly, I do not think his characters would exist in real life with all of that encyclopedic knowledge in their heads because, no. Um, However, is it exciting to read? Yes, because you're kind of listening to scientific logic, Mm. but it's engaging. And you're listening to, like, this person's thought process and, like, they're telling that story as they're trying to figure out how to do something based on what they know and kind of, like, synthesising information. They're doing science as they try and get themselves out of these horrible situations. like It's, it's the Sherlock Holmes like scenario yeah, where there's right? an incredibly intelligent person and they're solving mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah, exactly. I think that brings up a really important point is that the science needs to matter in the story as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if, if the science is just kind of like a throwaway thing that doesn't actually affect the plot... Um, you know, it's the it's the it's the difference between um, and then, and you know, so that happens. You know what I mean? It's like mm. it's not this happens and then this happens and then this happens. It's that you you need this happens and therefore this thing needs to happen yes. and therefore this thing yeah. needs to happen. Like the, the if you're gonna put in the science, make it important. Like make it like oh, yeah. if it wasn't for this thing. The, the plot would not work. And, and I think that is another way of making it kind of impactful as well. Mm. But also, like, don't go too far in the opposite direction. Like, I think Star oh, yeah. Trek, even though mm. I absolutely <laughs> adore Star Trek and I could talk talk about it for so long, I grew up on Star Trek. 
Mm. We were having a discussion about it before. I think it is amazing. Um, but they do this so often where they're just like, oh, this insert vague jargonese sounding word that I've just made up mm. does this thing that insert jargony thing that I've just literally made up. Um, so we can't do that because of that. And then it's like, yeah. but none of that is real and none of that makes sense. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah, but the thing with Star so Trek obvious, is right? they, they live in a world with where you can basically solve any problem with a teleporter. They have to come <laughs> yeah. up with excuses Just put not people to. In the, yeah, yeah, put people in the pattern buffer. It'll be fine. Um, whereas something like The Expanse, on the other hand, is mm. kind of on the other side, where it's it's probably one of the most realistic scientific, scientifically, like, you know, the it's physics hard in that show. It's great. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, but it's not incomprehensible. Like, they've hit no. that. You know the authors of that that series really hit the um, the balance there between yeah. like too scientific that it's incomprehensible, but also mm. realistic. I thought Contagion yeah. did a really good job of that. Um, you know, I haven't seen that. It's so they um, they consulted with Ian Lipkin, who's um, a pretty famous epidemiologist, and yeah. a lot of the things that happened were scientifically realistic the timelines of course were a little sort of condensed because otherwise the movie would be very dull but the science itself was actually really nicely told and the science Mm. was a big driving point of the plot you know the discovery Mm. of the pathogen okay well now we know what it is how do we figure out if people have it how do we cure people like it was it was very much like the science itself was a, a necessary roadblock into the plot um and it does an amazing job um uh I'm forgetting the actor's name, but he plays an Alex Jones misinformation type oh, no. person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, it's 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 a really good film in terms of using science in a pretty realistic and educational way. Um, would Would you recommend watching it post pandemic, or is it a bit too close? Do you think? Ah, uh, it it does hit pretty close to the bone. Um, mm. Yeah, I've I've had but, people suggest to me that I not watch it for a while. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Mm. There's definitely like like themes of like isolation and uh uncertainty. Like that a lot of the things yeah. that were really yeah, I think you Real. need a bit of daylight. Uh yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but it's worth watching at some point. Good night. Um it's a really interesting study versus um outbreak, which obviously came out in nineteen ninety-five and mm. the different the different ways science is portrayed, you know, in and I, I, I don't actually want to throw Outbreak under the bus because it's actually a great film, mm-hmm. but the science, you know, the science is very different style where it's sort of, yeah, okay. um, it's used in a different way and like the scientists are portrayed in a different way. It's Outbreak has that really classic scientist not being like the scientist being the ignored trope. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it obviously has a lot more action in it, but Contagion is a, a very... I think is just a really condensed version of what would happen if, you know. So, yeah, there are good films out there. You know, there's definitely great storytelling involving science. And and I think the theme running through them all, and I know this about The Expanse too, is that when you're telling the story, you involve scientists early. Contagion did that. I know Mm -hmm. that um, The Expanse has done that. They've gotten physicists... Um, you know, planetary scientists, yeah. all sorts of people in to um, make it to make consult. sense. And I think that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. You have to, and actually, you know, I think um, Professor Rimu was asking if we talked about 
the Psycom before we started playing. We absolutely did for that reason, because yeah. you can't just throw stuff in. You have to have a plan, I think. Hello all, just coming in with another real world update about things that Team D and Docs are doing outside of the podcast. So I've told you all about the Radiant Shadows stream before, but I've got another little project coming up as well. I have, I'm joining Josh the Pirate over on Corsair's Cove to help him celebrate International Talk Like Josh the Pirate Day, also known as his birthday. Uh, I will be on stream with them on the uh, 18th of September from 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. Australian Western Standard Time or midnight till 4 a.m. for those of you on the East Coast. Uh, and we'll be having some generally fun times over there. So if you haven't joined us for a uh, Radiant Shadows stream, that's okay. You can do that on the 17th, but the 18th is going to be all about Josh the Pirate. So we'd love to see you in the chat over there. Team D and Doctorates, it's time. It's time to show yourselves. Let's do it. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. going to say, uh, to tie it back, in fact, um, someone asked earlier, but I do not, I do not remember who it was. Um because I didn't write it down like an idiot. Uh, how do players handle adding a bit of science when they don't have the prep? Like when we don't have time to like, mm. be like, oh, we're going to be on the moon. We need, we have time to think about all of these things or, or whatever. And in the same way that you're talking about, Ross, that idea of, you know, you don't have the time beforehand to think about it. Like Ben, obviously mm. you're in a slightly different position to mm. the rest of us because we are reacting well, to unless, the situation. Unless you Sometimes I have to react to you. Haha, ha, moon so. crabs. Um, but <laughs> 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 we made so just for the for, for some behind the curtain. Um, the moon crabs were never supposed to exist. We just didn't do what no. Ben yeah. wanted us to do, and so we yep. had to make up some way to get us to where we got to. And then I became so. queen of the moon crabs. And thank you so much to the person who made that that art. That was better oh than the gosh. one I had, yeah, and it's so cool. good. But, um, so much. Yeah. It was but so I, good. But yeah, I think <laughs> Debbie, moon crabs were always supposed to exist. How dare you? I mean, look, <laughs> we are glad they exist now. The world Best. wanted it that oh, way. Yeah. But, mm. but oh, I think it's just it was. Mwah. Yeah, and I think for a lot of for us, a lot of the time, we don't talk about the kind of science that comes up. We let the science come up as it naturally yeah. does. So yeah. you know, Ben yeah. sending us to the moon meant that we all went. Well, crap! How do things work on the moon? What's get, like? Yeah. Oh no! How, Honestly, how does like, my magic work like, on the moon? Um, I feel like a lot of us have like we all have very very different backgrounds, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. yours and mine, Kate. There's We're a bit the of overlap, most similar, but I think, yeah, I think mm. so, yeah. But all four of us have very very different sciencey backgrounds, right? Yeah. Um, mm. and so I think a lot of it is luck, mostly. Yeah. And we like just... one of us will know a lot about that particular thing because yeah. they happen to spend a, like. You know, like with me with the moon, I know a lot about the moon because mm. that was part of my job for a while, right? Yeah. And I just I got completely obsessed with it and did a deep dive in it, so I, mean, I know yeah. an awful lot about how the moon works. Me and dinosaurs at the moment, yeah. we have a massive dinosaur exhibition. Mm. Exactly, I'm right? gonna nerd yeah. really hard. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry, I just want to add something that's been uh, that the bad cat man has added to our chat. Of I started wondering how moon crabs could evolve and live on the moon. I got to pressurize shells <laughs> and like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Basically, this is the thing: is we can we could deep dive into some of the things that happen in the podcast real hard, yeah. like oh yeah, real yeah. hard. But it's finding we, that we, line, and often we do, and then Ben and Ross have to do the edit and find the line for us. But yeah, and and to be honest, that's the thing as well: is that what what everyone at home doesn't hear is that 
often we will actually <laughs> Google something and talk. Yep. Oh, yeah. And talk about it for like 10 minutes to be like, okay, yep. this is how it would work. How do we, yeah. how do we say this now? How do we make it yep. consistent with the world we're in? Yeah. But obviously we just don't want to bore you with that part. Like that's, that's like a mechanical aspect of making a podcast with science yeah. in it. Yeah. It's it's like whenever yeah. somebody asks me how big a room specifically is for this, this thing that they're trying to do or how far away this particular hey, thing is. Hey, I just want to know is... if I'm going to blow it up. It's important. <laughs> yeah. It is important. There's a lot of dead space where we It also doesn't always Googling. make it into the edit. Yeah. Um, but I think... Yeah. But yeah, but I think it, it might, like, on the surface seem like we know a lot. Uh, um, we're very good at but hiding I our, think our sometimes it... <laughs> No, yeah. So there's that. But I think also sometimes it just, like, lines up with our background knowledge and like where we come from and, and some of us know a lot more than others about one particular mm-hmm. thing or, you know, and that will circle around as well. Like one week it'll be me that, you know, knows a lot about one thing. The next week it'll be Kate. The next episode it'll be Ross. The next episode it'll be Ben, right? Like yeah, it's just, yeah. I think we also have It's just kind of how it naturally works out. It really works nicely. I think we also haven't deep dived, deep dove, deep dived deep into diving. the Deep different, yeah. Um, into the things yeah. that we have less knowledge about. So, um, someone did ask if mm. there was anything where, like, we would feel we couldn't talk about, and I think it was Debbie actually. But I think it's more that it's not that we couldn't do it; it's that we tend not to fall down those rabbit holes because they aren't ones where mm. someone asks the question and gets that ball mm. rolling. So, you know. I'm sure there are moments that someone's been like, but that's a really interesting, oh, they didn't stop and talk about it, though. Yeah. And like, yeah. okay, we didn't because we were probably too busy thinking about something else. We are playing D&D after all. Um, At the same time, you yeah. know. It's- but also if that does happen to you ever, send us a message on Twitter because like oh, yeah. there are not more, you know, four more people who would be more open Holy for a deep dive. crap. Mm. Sorry. The bad cat man, this, who I happen to know is has a bit to do with the Forgotten Realms wiki. Um, Forgotten Realms wiki editors have created detailed dragon taxonomies and fully worked out atmospheric, gravitational and orbital mechanics for Spelljammer worlds. So, Ben, um, you have a resource. Just a bit. <gasps> just, just a bit to do. Yeah. I was being nice. I was being so, nice, bad cat man. I know so, it's more than a bit. <laughs> I was being nice. So, oh, so here's, here's the thing. <laughs> Being nice. Spell jammer. Yeah, as sounds incredible. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna the links talk of D and D for a second. Now. You're welcome. Um, spell jammer <laughs> as a setting has weird gravity, where you as a human uh, being in space gravitationally attract air around you like a pocket bubble that lasts for like a minute. Yeah. Mm. Anything in space has this pocket of air around it. Yep. Because in for some reason, um, gravity is just really strong in space in Spelljammer, uh, including, but also not because it has like, oh, here is your ship. And then gravity goes this way and this way and no other direction, just this yep. way and this way. Um, because it's it's a magic space thing. And I just decided, no, space <laughs> space in, in this D&D uh, crystal sphere is gonna work like real space mm. because that's what I want it to do. I think um, that's a really good example, though, of how you can actually sometimes bend the science a little. You know, it it takes a concept that 
kind of works and just kind of says, well, people still have to have fun. Um, You know, and in our case, you know, Ben had prepared science, you know, more scientifically accurate ways for us to still have fun in that environment, which was great because obviously it it, it lets us have those discussions about the moon, you know, and, um, you know, and it kind of, sometimes you have to be purposeful too. Like I, Ross, know that the moon sucks like you don't want to be on the moon <laughs> yeah but potentially does I, not I want like, to be on the moon can we can we leave hard. the moon already yeah god but like how how does harold <laughs> who's never been to the moon demonstrate knowledge that i ross have so i'm like well i know i'll just punt out this little gremlin creature that came with us yeah and instantly we have a science moment then because yeah what happens to the gremlin and oh, it's, it's, we had a hell of a science moment oh yeah. boy oh boy <laughs> Yeah, poor Joe hadn't actually Ooh. encountered the gremlins before and didn't. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think, and that's the thing. Sometimes actually we can be a little purposeful with it and knowing that, yeah. oh, we know things that our characters don't and we can find ways for our characters to discover them and therefore yeah. maybe sometimes the audience too. And it's that's kind of one of the little tricks that we have, I guess. Yeah, I think... I think as NVC has just put in the chat, bending the science is like when you ignore air resistance for those year 12 physics problems. It's like, yeah, yeah. we'll bend the science. We'll make it make sense. Make we'll some assumptions. find ways to make like little bits happen that, yeah, except when the assumption is in a real world environment because they're yeah. giving you a stupid real world question. Something, something curriculum rant here. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that idea of you, you know, we will flex the science we need to in the story like, you know, there comes a point at which we needed it to be physically possible for certain things to happen. Because if you mm-hmm. can't spell cast in space because there's nothing for the spell to go through, then that's mm-hmm. dumb. The wizard is going to sit on the magic carpet for the rest of the, you know, arc. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like she wanted to. But, like, you know, it's... Feeding it's the moon crabs. Feeding the moon... Well, mm, screw the moon crabs. Um, oh, no, that was me, wasn't that it? That was you, Yeah. <laughs> I, threw one, I grabbed one and, and gave it to you. That was about as much as happened to the moon craps with her. But, but that idea of like you can find, we, we like to find things to play with. And I think when, when you say it's about the fun, Ross, I think you're right in that that's true mm. regardless of what pop culture realm you're working in, whether you're working in, mm. I mean, we haven't touched on it. And given we are coming up quite quickly on two hours mm. of this, and that's roughly what we said we would do, I am loath to open the door yeah. into the theatrical world, but I will say this much, that any storytelling, be it live theatre, be it um, be it uh, animated, be it audio, be it filmed, whatever it is, it's got to be fun. And if the science gets in yeah. the way of the fun, why are you doing it in the first place? Because people won't mm-hmm. listen to the science in the context yeah. of the fun thing that you're doing. So yeah. a good example of that is Emily Le Marquis de Châtelet was a French mathematician and physicist. Um, she translated the, the first work, the uh, original Newton's laws, Newton's Principia, into comprehensible French. She was arguably one of the first science communicators, and I feel incredibly privileged mm. to have played her on stage. But it is incredibly boring if you write the entire thing about how she translated the Principia. It is much more interesting if you throw yeah. in the part where she was also Voltaire's lover. 
which is also true, but therefore drives the plot along because you can give her emotional reasons to translate it into yeah. French because she's mad yeah. at him and going to go do it all by herself. And, you know, you can have fun with it, whether it is technically absolutely true, whether it is a flexing mm. of what was really happening, whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't watch that story to watch me sit and bastardize <laughs> E equals MC squared for, because it is F, F equals MV squared. Like, you don't do that. That's very boring to watch unless you yeah. have the fun part to have along with you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's true regardless of if we're talking about a D&D podcast, if we're talking about films, if we're talking about stage, if yeah. we're talking about video games, podcasts, you know. video games, you know. Yeah. It exactly. has to yeah. be a bit fun or you're not yeah. going to engage with it as a consuming audience. I thought a really fun moment from the latest Stranger Things episode, which isn't going to be a spoiler. But I was going to say, I'm, like, I have, I'm mo- so off. I'm so not up to date. Yeah. Oh. I haven't seen the final two. Mm. I haven't there, seen from season where... one onwards. <laughs> mm. I'm like, I've seen season one. But that's it. I'm sorry. There's this moment where some characters, I'll say, have to find their way from the normal world to the upside down world. But as they traverse those two, gravity oh, yeah. changes direction. Yeah. And... It was it was a really good kind of sciencey moment accidentally in that they actually genuinely had to think about the physics of it, but they made encountering it very fun. It wasn't just a dry, mm-hmm. oh no, the gravity. It was like actually had some consequences actually, mm. and even later on had some consequences too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. Those <laughs> kind of moments are. Oh, everyone's very angry that. Uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, you know, it's those kind of moments that um, that's an amazing way to talk about science. You know, you you don't have to be in your face about it. In fact, the worst kind of science communication a lot of the time is like when you're trying to do a story, you know, Mm. when you're there for science, then you can be as as obvious and in your face about it as you want. If you if you're going to a science show, you know, if you're going to see, you know, like Brian Cox or something. Obviously, you're expecting to be scienced, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to do a story and you're trying to sort of stealth the science in, the worst thing you can do is be like, I'm going to tell you a science in a minute. Make sure you pay attention. You want it to sneak up on people mm-hmm. and have some yeah. kind of memorable moment to go along with it. It's like, here was the science, but here was the memory that you formed. And the Stranger Things one was great because it yes. was very entertaining when it yeah. happened. And yeah, I yeah. think... I think that's the most important thing you can do is agreed. Tell the story yeah. first, make it memorable and 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 just kind of have people just associate the science with that memory. Uh, it'll it'll stick. Make people want to yeah. be there, make people want to engage, make yes. people feel like they belong in the environment that the science is being exactly taught yeah. for want of a better word. Being scienced. Yeah. Yeah. The, do the science. I like using that as a verb. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's we will be because we verbed it. Oh, stop <laughs> verbing your nouns. It's ugh. <laughs> never. But um, I think given we are crawling very, very close to the end, I will just do a quick mm. check around with all of the, my fellow panelists. Is there anything that we haven't really touched on or anything you wanted to add to this conversation before we do sort of tie ourselves up for the evening on our rough two hours that we discussed doing? Um is there any bits of science that we haven't really talked about? Anything? I have one like 
end question to end us on that is just suitably uh, suitably good to end on from the chat. But uh, but anything you wanted to ask or talk Look, about before we finish I think up? all four of us could probably, and we have, mm. we could probably talk about this for ages and ages and ages yes. and there's always heaps more that we could chat about. Yes. So... Mm. Like, hit us up on Twitter if you want to chat more. Hey, and we might I'm start sure doing some more, more conversations. We might start doing some more of these. Maybe our, our the common rooms will become streamed, the common rooms, and you'll be able to join us mm. for more chats at different points in the future because it's been nice to have the chat to talk to. Hello, so chat. Yeah. <laughs> You're nice. We, we really this good. Is our, this is Dungeons & Doctorate's first foray, really, into the yeah. wonderful world of Twitch. So thank you for, like coming and jumping in there were 25 of you at one point so you know mm. thanks for spending your monday night with us or in my case yes, late monday afternoon um so oh i will actually i'll steal this question and then i'll um then mm. i'll ask my dumb question mm. i think brad's question is is very fair in game when where you where do you say science ends and magic begins or does science always come before magic Ben, oh, I'm going to throw it at you question. because it's yeah. technically mm. your world. And mm -hmm. um, and it's usually his call too. Yeah, I mean, it, well... Yeah. Mm, I mean, usually, usually I draw, I if, there's a, if there's a science... If there's a science explanation... Yeah. I tend to go to that because mm. that's a thing that we can all do. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, okay, the, the mechanics... Or the physics behind a working camera in a fantasy, uh, like 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 medieval but like yeah. Renaissance era world is just too complicated to do. So I'm gonna have just a magic camera. Yeah. Uh, and or but you know we we do use a number of um I would say science things brought well beyond like well earlier than they should be for renaissance <laughs> yeah. period um yeah yeah like, it's pretty fun uh yeah. through a little bit of like oh what if we just have a magic source that lets us do the rest of it um it's really interesting watching you make those decisions in real time too. yeah because it's like you're kind of trusting the audience and and going you guys are going to come along with us and just suspend your disbelief for this section and we'll yeah. bring you back in a second, but it's just going to have to be like, we can't make this work any other way because magic is yeah. going to be the explanation here. Well, yeah. And then we'll move on to the next bit. And it's like, where do you make that? Yeah. Often it happens in real time. You can, you can like watch Ben's brain tick over. Well, I mean, <laughs> and yeah, I think we try and not to with, represent... With Kate as well. Well, I was going to say, mm. I was yeah, actually going to pass well, it to Ross's first because Ross's orb, Harold's orb is, I think, one of the oh, first, yeah. the yeah, first yeah, yeah, moments yeah. that that... Like we yeah. run into that one a lot more. Mine, um, I can talk mm. about it in a minute, but like I, I might throw to Ross first because mine kind of probably goes in a nice little bow before my uh, my dumb final question. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm we so we, we try we try not to sort of explain the magic with science, and I think mm. that's the thing is that there's there are obviously some scientific principles and um like physical constants you know like like our own world has evident truths of mm. space time etc you know our world has some actual science but we don't we don't try and give the magic a scientific explanation and i think that was kind of an interesting thing because we had 
that conversation in game. We had a character in game, an NPC, who tried to say, well, how do you know you've explained something with science? Could it not just be magic? Uh, mm. And of course, the, the, the real answer is, it can be hard to tell. Mm. You know? Well, uh, you know, if you, science if you, is magic that works, you, um, you know. Yeah. Science, science uh, magic is science that we haven't understood yet, or? Right. Oh, uh, what is that quote? There is, um, I know any, exactly who you're no, talking about. No, it's the... Yeah. Uh, There's a bunch of them. Signi- uh, any technology... Anything that significantly, can't be... Yeah, significantly any technology advanced that... is not... Uh, is indistinguishable from magic. It's it's that, but yeah. that's the paraphrased version of it. No, I think for me, it's... Yes, thank you, Bradley. That's exa- thanks, Bad Cat Man. That's exactly what the one I was trying to get out. Thank you. Um, I... Potentious is a little bit weird because technically, Potentious yeah. uh, research is essentially conservation of matter research but magic though because it's about find mm-hmm. familiar the spell so i think we tread that line very carefully and we choose which bits of it matter for the purposes of the mm. world that we are in and which bits we yeah. can slightly hand wavy away because they're more fun that way um mm-hmm. yeah does it I mean, necessarily- I'm, I'm a big fan i'm a big fan of of terry pratchett and the discord mm. series um, which has a high energy magic department, yeah. um, which is equivalent to physics. And, yeah. you know, they've, they've built a computer made of ants and rocks that they teach how to do math. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy and ridiculous, but not that far from like, oh, well we talk, we taught rocks how to yeah. do math and that's how computers work kind of you can kind mm. of see the parallels between them as well yeah. but like i think yeah. what you guys were all just kind of talking about as well is relates really well back to what we've been saying the whole night right like you've just got to make those decisions about where do we draw the line between what's going to narratively help tell the story and what's yeah. scientifically yeah are, are we right being, now being we... lawful nerdy or chaotic nerdy? And yes, my intention is to turn yes. those into, into merch. Um, but yes, like, is like, where are we right now? Are we following the letter of the law, the scientific law, or are mm-hmm. we going a bit more chaos on this? Um, yeah. And, and what? And yeah. I, I, I what, think it's okay occasionally just to be a little blurry. Yeah. You know, like if if you. How do I put this nicely? If you were to go and watch a Barnum-esque performer make yeah. inferences about your life or maybe people in your life, yeah, um, it can appear like magic. Yes. But we all know that there are particular techniques that can be used to infer things about people. Um, and that's kind of the science. But sometimes, for a story, it's okay to kind of let the audience have their own opinion as we're long as you're not misrepresenting little, we're allowed yeah. to have a little fluff mm. around yeah. the edges you're allowed the cardigans yeah. allowed to be a little fuzzy yeah. yeah um so i will bring us to a close there it has just ticked over the two hour mark but i am not letting our lovely lovely panel get away without promoting themselves anything they have coming up and or anything that they would like to tell people about what they do and where people can find them on the internet, I know. Uh, I'm just going to throw back to our normal order because it makes makes everything make much more sense. It ben, does. kick us off. Uh, well, I'm I'm mostly on Twitter uh, at Ben Kiernan, B E N K E I R N A N. I 
through this show for the most part. I used to have mm. another podcast, non-peer-reviewed, a non-peer-reviewed look at science of the week and, and all kinds of other things. It is on a long-term hiatus. Um, <laughs> not mm. dead, just uh, stuck in, in peer-review land somewhere. We all, we um, all met on that podcast. We love that podcast. Mm. Yeah, we did. We did. Mm. Uh, in fact, Review we did an episode... Review had some issues. Mm. It's gone back a... for changes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh... There's an episode last year where we talked on the non-peer reviewed podcast about the science of D and D, and that's um, a good listen. If it's you the go year back. before last, Ben. It was 2020. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. No, this podcast yeah. has been around for no. two years, Ben. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, I do that. Um, I do have a few other TTRPG projects kind of in the pipeline. Um, not ready to give those details out yet, mm. but um, keep an eye out on my social media and probably will plug it on the Dungeons and Doctrix podcast and whatever else I'm on. I like science. I like nerdy stuff. Mm. You know me. Let's have a chat. Uh, Pastor Ross. Yeah, so you, basically you can find me at Ross Bulch on Twitter. That's where I do a lot of like the more public posting. I do have a Facebook page as well that is, you know, just Ross Bulch. Um, and sometimes I stream uh, at Ross Bolch Plays on Twitter, uh, on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to do a lot of like Magic the Gathering streaming, but I've sort of moved away from playing that game a little for various reasons. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm hoping to do more streams soon. And um, yeah, come join me. I actually sometimes build uh, D&D things in Tailspire too, which is quite fun. So yeah, just uh, I- I'm the only Ross Bolch in the world still. Uh, somehow um, so searching that gets you pretty far uh, yeah. wherever you look uh, my turn yes um, <laughs> I have it is that's the order yes um, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Joe Matrix J-O-H-M-A-T-R-I-X um, but I have just recently started doing some TikTok videos um, which have been so much fun and I've been wanting to do something like that for a really long time. Um, and so I have kind of character videos where I'm, uh, I play a computer and a pilot who's um, practicing to take uh, to um, conduct solar system tours. And it's really fun. Um, I don't know where that's going to go, but I'm really enjoying it at the moment. And it's, it's generating a lot of fun conversation and I'm meeting some fun people. So, um, yeah, come join me on that. So you can search at Dr. Joe Matrix, D-R-J-O-H-M-A-T-R-I-X on TikTok. Come join me. It's a fun time. Yeah. Uh, and I am Kate. Sorry, just give me like two seconds to make sure I've promoted everyone else in the chat before I... <laughs> Talk about myself. Uh, You've been such a multitasker today. I've been doing about you six things. So it's fine. We're good. Um, <laughs> nothing has that broken. That sounded really patronizing. It wasn't meant to be. I'm to sorry. Me. No, no, no. As as some people who I know are lurking in the chat will know, it didn't break, guys. It didn't break. Um, I am Kate. I am at O'Sullivan Kate on basically everything. But if you specifically want my science stuff on Instagram, you need to go to at Psycom Kate because like I, I have two accounts because I'm me. Uh, I have TikTok. I don't use it very much, but it does exist. There is some content over there. Um, I uh, can off at the moment. The next time people will be able to find me is doing a glass tour at the WA Museum next weekend. If anyone wants to come down, it's free. Only two people out of the 20 people who were supposed to rock up last Saturday rocked up. So you can probably rock up and be pretty 
pretty fine to come talk glass nerd things with me. But otherwise, um, I'm about around. If you keep an eye on my Facebook, you usually find out about what theatrical things I'm doing. Otherwise, my Twitter's where it's at. Um, shamelessly promote myself in the chat. Oh, I did it twice. No, broke it. Mm. Broke it. No, there we go. Unbroke oh, it. Just um, working. But that's Yay. my Twitter and my Facebook uh, because that way I can, you know, promote both bits of my, my life. Uh, but otherwise, you should all jump over on either the Dean Doctorate's Twitter. Join us over there. We do lots of uh, fun chat things, and you know when our new episodes come out. They come out approximately every Thursday, in theory, gentlemen. Um, approximately every Thursday, it, depending it on... Editing <laughs> takes a long time, and computers are like fickle things run by lightning and rocks. <laughs> Um, otherwise, you are and to find every weekish to find the uh, to find the podcast itself. Uh, we technically host it on SoundCloud, but any good podcast platform will have it. Please note that it is an ampersand and not the word "and" in the yes. middle of Dungeons and Doctorates, because that is why people often struggle to find us. Uh, we're a fun bunch. Mm. If you've never listened to us before, I can thoroughly recommend our one shots. Be that Oozcapades, be that our most recent one with. <gasps> The, oh my the chat's own NVCDM, uh, or be mm. that uh, one of our many kobold capers where we have been rambunctious people all over the shop. So uh, with some wonderful guests, and we will have some more of those joining us uh, soon. Uh, you can also listen to some more behind-the-scenes stuff in our The Common Room episodes, which gets beheaded by uh, Ross as it stands, but, and we've had lots of different random things along the way. So... Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I am going to set up a tiny little raid because in the meantime, like since we've been doing stuff, I've worked out how to do that because I am good at this. Um, I'm going to send you all over to Corsair's Cove, which is a friend of mine, Josh's D&D channel uh, here in Perth. He was part of the Jasper's Game Week stuff that some of us were a part of as well, uh, mostly because it doesn't seem like anyone else is live at the moment that uh, particularly has anything to do with our channel. Uh, so please give them some love. Uh, say hi in the chat to them for us. And otherwise, we will see you. Before before we do that, uh, really quickly, uh, um, huge thank you to, sorry, huge thank you to Kate for organising all of this. Hooray. Yeah. And also huge thank you to Ross for organising all of the tech stuff. Woo! We do things behind the Yay! scenes. All right, I'm sending you all over there. We love you. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye. Hello, Dean Doctorates humans. It's Kate. I'm back with another real-world update. Uh, for, so for those Australians of you in our listenership, uh, you will know that it is coming up to, soon to PAX time. I will be over at PAX Australia, just generally lurking as a general attendee, uh, on both the Friday and the Saturday at this point, possibly the Sunday, just waiting for some updates on that. Uh, but I will be over there. If you are happening to be at PAX, have a chat, catch us up. I would love to see you. So drop a comment uh, over on our Facebook or our Twitter and we'll see what we can do about lining up a little mini D and Doctorates hangout if we have time. So I'd love to see you there. I'll be there. I'm going to try and talk Ben into being there. It's going to be a good time. You should come join us in the real world outside of the podcast. <laughs>